Hello and welcome to another episode of Casual Radio. I am your host, the Casual Morgan, and along with me is... Mr. Bob Scrivener. Bob's your uncle. How you doing, Mr. Morgan? Hanging out, pushing buttons. Yeah, that's about the way of the world, ain't it? Right, right. So, uh, what kind of episode are we doing tonight? Well, we're doing a very special episode tonight, Mr. Worgen. See, we usually talk shit on all of our coworkers because we've had a lot of idiot coworkers. Let's be real. Hey, a lot yeah. of idiots. A lot of idiots that we can't even talk about until we're long gone from this shithole company. But right. uh, tonight, we're gonna delve deep into. We're not even gonna delve deep. We're gonna break the surface of a topic that's very near and dear to both of our hearts, and that's conspiracy theories. Yeah. Cue the X-Files music because it's going to get wild. So uh, basically we're going to, we're going to do just a few of our favorites. Some of the, some of the greatest hits that we've looked up over the years. I know you, uh, you've got a very uh, favorite, a favorite uh, conspiracy theory that you want to get into that, uh, that I've read a lot about. So we'll be able to go back and forth on that. And then I've got a topic that I've read a bit about over the years that, um, that has a, you know, that ended up manifesting itself in some very interesting ways. So let's go ahead and start with yours. All right. Well, hey, also don't forget that not only are we doing conspiracy theories tonight, but this is also kind of going to segue into maybe how we start our Delta Green series. Oh, yeah, because Delta Green is essentially conspiracy theory, the game. That's actually a huge part of the game. Exactly. So this will segue into another show once we get back together for another RPG episode. That's right. If we ever get 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 together and record, we'll uh, we'll be recording the first one, and hopefully we get a good uh, get a good reception because it's a lot of fun. It's like it's a game that's a lot of fun. I think you and uh, you and uh, Mr. Russell have a lot of fun playing it. Nice. So and, uh, your, your conspiracy theory actually plays into a lot of the stuff of the game. So uh, yeah. That's awesome. So I'm thinking one of my favorites, and uh, I'm just saying one because I've got a lot. You know, I'll put my tinfoil hat on. For one sure, you're favorites. definitely a norm. Normally, you're a flat earther, but tonight we're going we're going far afield of that flat earther, my ass. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe MK Ultra. MK Ultra. That's you know what MK Ultra is a very interesting subject with a lot of interesting uh, a lot of interesting offshoots to that. So uh, lay it on me. All right, well, from what I know, from 1953 until about 1973, the CIA, and some of these documents can be found on the CIA's website, so some of this has been released, you know, official documentation. Yeah, they've had to release a lot of those since the Clinton years. Right, so that's why it's one of my favorite conspiracy theories, is because we have the documentation to back a lot of this up. It's not like some of those theories that uh, JR believes. I mean, Bob (laughs) Scribner. Listen. (laughs) You know, with all your anti-vax. Oh, yeah, my anti-vax. We're going to start calling you casual homo. Keep your shit up. Nice. So um, one of the things about the MK Ultra that I thought was interesting was that not only was it were they using drugs to induce brainwashing, psychological torture, but they were using things such as electroshock, isolation, sensory deprivation, verbal, sexual abuse. I mean, they really broke these people down to the core to see if they could possibly control them, control their actions. It's amazing how much of that stuff made it into the mainstream because, I mean, the 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 uh, the way they used a lot of the drugs, a lot of the drugs that they used became street drugs because they were selling it to finance their operations, like LSD, 
Uh, it directly led to the crack epidemic, um, but also things like sensory deprivation, which you brought up. That was a huge thing in the 70s, right. like the sensory, sensory, sensory deprivation chambers and tanks and whatever. That was, you know, that was a really big thing then. And electroshock therapy was heavily researched because the CIA was using it. Exactly. Just, um, it's crazy. Now, some of the stuff I haven't looked too much into, but I, I am interested in, is that MK Ultra was not the start of it. It was, no. I mean, there was Project Bluebird, Project Artichoke. They used colleges, hospitals, prisons, and it wasn't just Americans. They used these on Canadians as well. Oh yeah, they there were a lot of uh, a lot of things that that people had to apologize for that they were doing to Canadian citizens without permission. Yeah, the American government is pretty good at uh, messing some stuff up, and then one day, you know what? Uh, my bad, my bad. 20, 30, 40, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. Yeah, once they figure most of the victims have died, so they don't have to pay out some lawsuits, they're kind of like, yeah. yeah. So that was our bad. Moving on. Yep. Fucking ass. Yep. ass. Yep. So, um, MK Ultra. Some of the things that uh, were reported about it was they were even using uh, prostitutes, and they were doping them up, and they were taking Johns, and most of them were in the government. So these, they were trying to get people to snitch, and they would drug them and take them to a prostitute where they were actually sitting behind double pane glass. Yep, recording. Right. They were watching and recording as these guys were, you know, doing their sexual acts and whatnot, but they were snitching like they were their minds were on a new level now with some of what they were given. And they were they were telling national secrets. I mean, they were snitching. Yep, that was they tested a lot of things like the, the supposed truth serum, which actually was a lot less effective. You know what the most effective drug that they used? that was mr worgen i mean other than lsd even more effective than lsd ecstasy which is funny because ecstasy is also a drug that's been uh highly touted as a a possible um not a cure i guess but a possible uh very effective treatment for uh veterans with severe amounts of ptsd see one thing i don't i don't know anything about ecstasy I don't see I I well, that's one of the drugs that I've never been around anybody that's ever tried. Everybody that I know has always tried the 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 basics and then the stupid shit that the idiots in their basements try to cook up whenever they right. can't afford anything else. But I've never known anybody that's tried that. But I've read a lot about how there's been a lot of research, especially, you know, the US just coming out of, you know, the two longest wars in its history, how a lot of researchers are trying to get back into using um using um psych the um, researchers are trying to get back into using um, like psychosomatic uh, mushrooms and ecstasy to try to help treat PTSD because it's basically kind of helping to rewire your mind back into a more receptive state where you're not closing people off. And it one of the side effects of ecstasy or one of the reasons that people take it and they think of it as like this, you know, this party drug is that it creates, from what I understand, like a huge sense of empathy where you could kind of like you you appreciate what other people feel and you want to listen to them talk and you want to like you want to connect with them and that's one of the things that a lot of veterans that come back they you know you they can't do I mean you you you've probably known people that have had that issue where they come home and it's like they're a stranger their family you know they end up getting divorced they just it causes a lot of issues you know in your home when you 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 feel like you have things you can't talk about with your family and because they can't relate exactly and that's one of the things that apparently ecstasy does is it gives you this sense of like trust 
and a sense of, of empathy that you feel like these people actually do care, which in most cases, especially in that situation with that kind of therapy, they do. You know, it's your family. It's the people that love you. But it, it puts you in a more receptive uh, frame of mind for it. And a lot of the the, uh, the older literature that they use for this kind of treatment is actually based in Project MK Ultra. Right. And I do know, I can't remember his name. I'll have to look this up for a, a different episode. But there was a doctor that was heavily into using psychedelics it's and things Sid- like ecstasy. Sidney and- Gottlieb is his name. Yes. And- Dr. Gottlieb. And he did a lot of, I mean, a substantial amount of work and evidence showing all the benefits of these types of drugs for patients like that. And they they basically tried shutting his ass down because the war on drugs. No, they didn't shut him down because of that. They shut him down because his first job was because he was the head of assassins for the CIA. He made poisons for the CIA also. That was his main job. That's why he got shut down. But once Reagan and them were popping off with that war on drugs, they did everything they could to shut any any work that he did with psychedelics or any of that down. Well, yeah, they wanted all that down because it was a way to get rid of the hippies and the left wingers, the anti-government types. But they, uh, the CIA was absolutely using all that research because they were using that to help synthesize crack. Yeah, that's how the CIA. Yeah, they they did that on purpose. A because it was absolutely racially motivated, but it was also B they wanted money so they could give it to anti-communist guerrillas, to right-wing guerrillas. Yeah, they were funding them. Yeah, I mean, hell, uh, Ollie North almost went to fucking prison over it, and should have went to prison over it. Reagan should have went to prison over it, but you know, people forget about that. Now, tell us about it. Here's your time to shine, big boy. Well, we'll come back to that because I got a lot to say on Reagan and his fucking bullshit. Reagan's the reason, even though Reagan started out his political career as a union head, Reagan's the reason our union is shit and we can't get any get any uh, get any relief from all the bullshit we go through. So fuck you, Reagan. You know, Reagan is also one of the few presidents that uh, stated openly that they had seen UFOs and had contact. Yeah, Reagan was also fucking senile when he was in the White House, but you know. He was also the only one actually born in Illinois, shockingly enough. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not something to be proud of. But anywho. Screw Illinois. Yeah. Not you that mean that's the where state we're of at. Chicago. Not that that's where we're at, but. Uh, yeah, the state of Chicago. Yeah, well, not for long, so, shit. Anywho. So with MK, MK Ultra, um, that's one that you know a lot more about, so we can let you get into that. But a project that I like that we know is interesting is the harp project the high frequency <laughs> active oral research project yeah all your all your bullshit now look i'm just saying you know they're using these high frequency antennas and radars in uh, gakona alaska and it was part of a darpa project now i'm not yeah. saying it worked what i'm saying is they were trying to control and manipulate weather as as combat setup as warfare they're like I mean, you know what you come against america fuck you hurricane i mean maybe that's what's going on now maybe that's what's actually causing fucking global warming they're saying hey oil companies drill more that'll fuck up our enemies more and another thing they were doing not just weather control is they were using the high frequency radars and they were trying to use them as an antenna for mind control yeah, which it, it kind of works in with MKUltra because MKUltra, of course, the drugs were being used for that. But the MKUltra also did a lot of research and funding into uh, psychic powers. 
Uh, that's actually one of the reasons that psychic phenomenon kind of exploded in popularity in the 70s and the 60s was because a lot of people like Yuri Geller and people like that were being funded by the CIA because they had found out that Russia had a secret as a kind of quote unquote spy school <clears throat> set up near the submarine depot in Archangel in, in Siberia. And one of the schools that they had there was a school for psychics and they would send supposedly send psychics out on Russian submarines to help them find American submarines. Whether that's true or not, we don't know, but there was a lot of funding and a lot of, uh, a lot of research and a lot of uh, attempts to both find psychics for, for our own purposes to do that and to prevent Soviet spies, Soviet psychic spies from being able to find our stuff. Right. And they weren't the first to try it either. Hitler tried that shit too. He was big into uh, different things like that. He was big into the occult. That was a big yeah. thing. That was one of his things. And he tried to possess things like the spear of destiny and he's he tried to possess all of that stuff because he felt that it would give him immortality that it would give him these powers i mean he, he was also he was also drugged up on meth the entire war so yeah. oh more than just meth i mean that doctor had him on all kinds of cocktails oh yeah that fool was giving him daily doses of everything and its brother yup and he's like hey by the way i'm gonna make my own military uniform because why i can Dude was peacocking around and just jacking this guy up on some crazy stuff. Yeah. But uh, back to the MK Ultra side of it, um, there is a story. Um, they called it remote viewing. And what the uh, remote viewing was is they were using psychics and they were kind of not sensory d deprivation chambers, but they were putting them into like a room with nothing in it and they were trying to use them, and supposedly they found that base in a, in uh, you were just talking about the Russian base. Supposedly that's how they found it. Yeah, that's what I heard. Some of the psychics. Yeah, it was like a, they created a painting of it, and one of the agents that had been there during World War II recognized it. Supposedly. Supposedly, and I mean uh, the Catholic Church, and that's that's another conspiracy theory we'll get into. But apparently they had a type of remote viewing that was created by a monk or some shit. By and, prayer, yeah. Yeah, and they were able to go back in history. Uh, and it was, it was almost like watching on TV. And one of the things they went back to was uh, Abraham Lincoln's assassination. I mean, they went back and saw the Gettysburg Address. Supposedly they had this television that could do this. Mm. It, and that is, you know, I mean, obviously you can never prove or disprove, but. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, speaking of the Catholic Church, let's mosey on into uh, one of my favorites and one of the, one of the most interesting little bits of knowledge that I've picked up over the years about conspiracies and conspiracy theories and, and what, what, what it sort of leads to. And we actually had something like this happen just last year with the quote unquote riots in uh, Wisconsin. Now, let me start by saying that there was a study about fake news published by the Shorenstein Center. Okay. Misinformation is predominantly a pathology of the right wing. Ever since people started making up bullshit and disseminating all this fake news, it's been right wingers usually. Now, that's not always true because Soviet Russia was an expert at using 
stuff like that. And that's actually part of the culture wars between East and West is the KGB and the CIA were actually funding, funding drug addicts like Ken Casey and stuff like that. And also funding artists like Jackson Pollock and funding novelists to kind of like have these kind of culture wars in the middle of the cold war. But from all these studies, the right wing has been a major, has been the larger uh, disseminator of all these fake facts. And one of the biggest ways they did this was back in the 60s and the 70s and in the early 80s in an era in Italy called the Anni di Piombo, which is the years of lead in Italy. And what had happened was basically the uh, all of the Italian government was still more or less right wing. They were still more or less fascists, right? They were all the people that had been working with Mussolini during World War Two. Okay. Which was also the Catholic Church, which I'm going to I'm going to bring the church back into it. So stay with me. Okay. Um, so basically, they, you know, they were all right wingers and they were importing southern the uh, people from the south, people from the south of Italy, which southern Italy is more rural. They were importing them to the north, which is a little bit more heavily industrialized to work as factory workers. And when they did that, they were basically paying them slave wages. And the north is also home to a lot of the universities in Italy and a combination of Italian students and workers went on strike in uh, the summer and autumn of 1969, essentially a general strike, uh, paralyzed the Italian economy for a long time, for, for a long time, uh, which it, worldwide there were a lot of strikes in 68, 69, 70, but that was one of the big ones, right? Okay. So the, uh, the right-wing government and government agents in Italy, including uh, an operation called Operation Gladio, which uh, worked with the CIA, which they're going to make another appearance in this. But they were basically the stay-behind network that if the Soviet Union invaded Europe, they would stay behind and blow up bridges and stuff like that. So Operation Gladio, and I forget what the other name, what the name of this other, um, let me just look it up real quick. There was another organization that was involved in it, uh, the Armed Revolutionaries. Uh, and they armed were another revolutionaries. Armed revolutionary nuclei is the full name, but they were it was the, it was a neo-fascist terrorist organization. So in 1969, there was a there was a place called the Piazza Fontana, which was a um, which was a uh, crap. I forget what it is. Let me look it up. I think it's a um, oh, damn it. It's gonna piss me off. Oh, okay, so it was a bank. So the Piazza Fontana was a bank, right? And basically. In the course of this particular day, a bomb went off at the Piazza Fontana at this bank, and three other bombs blew up in Rome and Milan. And it was basically – it was assumed that it was communist agents, right? Right. And the, the police arrested a bunch of people and tortured them to death trying to get, get the facts out of them and get them to admit that they and their left-wing buddies had blown all this stuff up. Well, it turns out – it was this right-wing organization. They were trying to make it like the, the left-wing was killing people and blowing stuff up so that people wouldn't vote out the Christian, the Christian coalition that they had in going in at that time. So there were a lot of like attacks kind of back and forth based on this. And actually, in the late 90s, in 1998, the CIA section chief at the time at, that had been there at that time, which it doesn't give his full name. It was just a pseudonym. So I'm guessing he's still in the CIA. And a U.S. Navy officer were charged in Italy for participating in this attack. Damn. And yeah, in 1969. 
they killed 17 people, injured 88 people. And there were, like I said, there were three other bombs that had went off. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. That's nuts. And throughout the years, they were like, you know, because Italy has always been kind of a hotbed for that kind of activity, just because of the amount of repression by the Catholic Church, in addition to the government, just to try to keep people down. You know what I mean? Right. Which, I mean, we're, we're getting the same thing here, all these crazy Baptist churches trying to tell people they can't get abortions and shit. But um, it ended up, it basically it culminates in the Bologna massacre in 1980, and it's the deadliest terrorist attack ever on Italian soil. Killed 85 people and wounded over 200 people. They set off a bomb in a waiting room at the train station in Bologna, which is in, I think, northwestern Italy. Uh, there were so many casualties, there weren't enough uh, emergency vehicles so firefighters had to use private cars and taxis to to take people to the hospital. So a mass casualty event. I mean, it was, yeah, it was 80, 85 people dead, over 200 people wounded, collapsed the train station. And they uh, they were saying that it was the left. They were saying it was communists. And it ended up being they had they arrested a, a one of the high high ranking police officers in Bologna because he had participated with it. It, the Italian Secret Service and Gladio were part of it. The CIA were the ones that actually gave them the explosives that they used to blow up this this um, this train station. Right. So they're basically giving them the tools to do it. And to, yeah, so that way they can say, "Oh, the communists did it." So it's literally a false flag operation. Everybody said everybody brings up false flags. This is literally the poster child for it. Oh yeah. Right? We can do a whole another episode just on false flags. And yeah, but but this is one we actually know happened, right? And right. Um, but here's the, here's the interesting thing, right? So all these right wingers are blowing shit up, and people can't talk about it because in Italy they didn't have freedom of the press, so nobody was allowed to talk about it openly. Absolutely. So if if you've ever seen any of the the quote unquote spaghetti westerns from this time period, you'll notice that a lot of them have themes of people not trusting the government and not trusting the church that's because they were all fascists working against the people basically and a lot of the people that made these movies had been partisans in world war ii so they were fighting against the fascists and they were fighting against basically against the catholic church and another big theme which takes place in a lot of the more famous ones uh, most famously the good the bad and the ugly uh, they dig up a bunch of gold in a graveyard and in uh, Django, the original Django, the guy's dragging around a coffin. And when he opens the coffin, it's got a fucking machine gun in it. And he guns everybody down, right? right. Operation Gladio was blowing shit up, taking the money from these banks and stuff, and hiding them in graveyards and hiding them with their machine guns in false graves so that if, quote, unquote, the communists ever took over, they could fight back against them and have an insurgency. So they weren't allowed to talk about it openly. So they were talking about it through their movies and through their art. That's awesome. I love I love how detailed you got into that. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. There's a lot there's a lot of stuff going a lot of stuff going on like that even today. And you see it a lot. Like I said, if you'll see people people that have been involved with like, you know, people that will make a movie such as uh, The Professional. I don't know if you've ever seen The Professional. That's one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, there's there uh, the whole thing with the the crooked DEA agent in the the NYPD working, you know, working against the law, basically, you know, that goes all the way back to, to books like Serpico and stuff like that, where people that had actually worked with these people and been ratted out and, you know, their cop buddies tried to kill them, have come out and talked about this. And then they end up working on these movies and it, it works its way into the pop culture of the era that 
not only did this happen, but people that had it happen to them are giving exact details of it. You know what I mean? And right. then there's like, uh, if you've ever seen Heat, which is also a great movie, one oh, of my dude, favorite movies. I, w- I will tell you that Heat had one of the best firefights against police. The well, way this, he handled that firearm was oh, absolutely yeah, well, amazing. It, here's why: the guy that uh, worked on that movie that did all their like their their um, I don't want to say stunt coordination, but all the firearm stuff was an, a former SAS operative that had worked against the IRA in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. So everything that they did in that movie had happened in Ireland at some point during the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, it, my favorite scene was just at the bank robbery where yeah. uh, Val Kilmer is just opening up. The the way he manipulated, reloaded that weapon, I mean, it was yeah. it was seamless. It was an amazing firefight. Oh, yeah. Still one of my favorite firefights to this day. Oh yeah, and and that, like I said, that all that had all happened to this guy. This guy was an SAS guy. He was a, he was the fucking baddest of the bad. So he knew what was going on, and he translated that into this movie to the point where, like you know, it was they had to cut a few things out when they went to theaters because there were so many details in it. They didn't want people to find out about it. It's like when they made Bike Club and they cut some of the details out about how to make napalm and bombs and shit because it was too accurate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Too accurate, they say. Yeah. So uh, that's that's very much uh, that's very much a, a common thing in pop culture. And like I said, it goes all the way back, bringing it all the way back around to MK Ultra. Ken Casey, the guy that wrote the electric acid Kool Aid test, he was the guy that kind of founded hippie culture. Was one of the original um, one of the original test subjects for LSD under MK Ultra, and he he liked the philosophy that he was getting from this so much that he kind of expanded on it. And then it ended up being the reason he went to jail, but he was basically like in inadvertently working for the CIA all the whole time, man. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy the way that works, man. Now, see, and like a lot, a lot of the people like Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock and a lot of these painters that were, uh, Salvador Dali, these painters that weren't painting realistic things, they were painting just like emotions or whatever. I forget what that's called. I think it's the Dadaist movement. I forget which movement it's called. But, um, you know, like where it's just like paint spots or whatever. Like you look at it and it's like, I'm not sure I get this. Right. That was actually funded by the CIA as a counter to the, the so-called, quote unquote, social realism movement in the Soviet Union. So they were paying these people like stipends to keep them afloat so they could create this art to kind of stick it to Stalin and vice <laughs> stick versa. It to the man. Yeah. So it's, it was a, it's a very common thing, man. And you can look and see the kind of threads through that. If you look into like, because I, I it's not a secret that I'm a huge reader. Um, I, I, I write as much as I can. Like I like pop culture. When you look into this kind of stuff, the most resonant, uh, the most resonant stuff that you find, like the most resonant books, the most resonant movies, the most resonant music, it all stems, it all comes from a sense of this conflict that we get. And a lot of these conflicts are being stirred up to keep the little guys like us down. We're fighting against each other over half of a half a crumb of cookie while everybody at the top is eating our other nine and a half crumbs and fucking staring at us and laughing at us. Right. I mean, but, we are literally turning against each other when we should be fighting against the people that you know, we're fighting each other when we should be fighting them. 
Yeah, and that's the sad thing about it is, and I hate to say it, but it's I think that that's all coming to a head. And at this point, it's not it's nothing that can be put back in the box, especially with the whole coronavirus the, uh, pandemic. And you y'all y'all can say whatever you want about it. But people having to stay home and realizing that they could live off of less and be happy is definitely fucking up the whole capitalistic system because the, the, the masters want you to be producing happily. And whenever you can live happily without producing and choose not to work, then they're fucked because they can't work. And once workers kind of realize that they have the power in that, that that's a situation that causes, like I said, this Ani Dipiombo, the years of lead were caused because the workers realized that if they struck, no, nothing was getting done at all. Right. And, and, and the, the rich people weren't getting any richer. Exactly. And as of right now, there's over 100,000 Americans on strike right now. Half of that is at the John Deere. What is it? I forget where it's at. Is it in Pennsylvania? And it's not just that, by the way. Uh, there's Canadian truckers. There's other yeah. there's other truckers that are being stopped at the continental borders over the coronavirus uh, vaccine card and the mandates. So a lot of what we outsource as well is what is you know what's not just sent from this country, but we're about to be fucked on what comes into this country. Well, I mean, the shipping I mean, thing's been fucked ever since the pandemic started, and it's not getting any better. And no, the fact that those, fucking the post office is trucks, and the fact that that you know the the post office is still mostly shut down because of that fucking dumbass Stephen DeJoy guy. Like we're in the country's in bad shape, man. And it's, it's not going to get any better. I don't know if you saw, I, I don't want to date this episode, but uh, we just found out a few days ago about um, some big losses for, for uh, Democrats in uh, I think it was Virginia. And there's a possibility that they lost in New Jersey, the, the governor races and, after that, they realized that, hey, we're going to get voted out and we're not going to have any more power. And they started sticking a bunch of the stuff that they had taken out of these Build Back Better bills back in because they knew if they didn't, they were all going to get elected out. Right. So, I mean, people just got to realize that if you hang out and you hang on and stand against this bullshit, we can get what we earned because it's not a handout. When you're getting your money back, your tax money back, that's not a handout. You worked your ass off for that. Like when it you're was getting your money in the first place, exactly. When you're getting fucking universal health care, you paid for that already. When you're getting unemployment, you paid for that already. When you're getting free school, you paid for that already. It's just you've got to reach out and take it. And the way to take it is to not work, is to not do what they want you to do until they give up what you deserve. It's not about what you feel like you're entitled to, quote unquote. I hate that word entitled because there are some people that are like that, but the majority of people are saying, hey, I'm not getting treated like shit for pennies. If you're going to treat me like dirt, you best pay me like a fucking king. If you paid me $100 an hour, you can talk to me however you want. You know what I mean? Right. For $50 an hour, we'll stand outside in a clown suit. Exactly. You pay me $100 an hour, shit, I'll kiss your, kiss your feet every day. But, but if but you're going to pay me thing. less than 20 an hour, you can kiss my ass. And not just that. I mean, I honestly think that's one of the big things about the mandate. You can laugh all you want. I, I have the vaccine. I'm not anti-vax, dick. Um, <laughs> but I think that right now, I mean, look at when the pandemic first started. You and I both were working our butts off. People were getting paid. And now I don't want to catch a bunch of hell for it. 
but people were getting paid more to stay home than they were to show up to work. And all these businesses are trying to put that on the on the people. They're over they overwork the crap out of us. And yep. you're seeing all these things about people are like, well, my company did this, my company we got pizza part. We didn't get a dance. We were lucky just to come to you, work. The fact of the matter was is that the people that were getting paid extra to deal with people, quote unquote, they were getting the coronavirus extra money. We're not people that dealt with people. It was people like you and me, and we didn't get an extra red cent. For the first three months of that lockdown, the first three months, I didn't get a day off for three months. Both of my days off, I worked a 12-hour shift. I mean, I was working my butt off. We had no access to masks. We had no access to hand sanitizer. We had no sanitizing spray. We had absolutely nothing. To be fair, the reason we didn't have any cleaners because the guy we worked with was huffing it. But, yes, you're correct. <laughs> he, he was getting high as a We're pretty sure he was huffing it. But, yeah, anyway. Supplies start disappearing, and this guy's mm-hmm. going to a bathroom break twice an hour every hour for eight hours. Yeah, Mr. Appleseed was definitely huffing something because that cleaner was disappearing faster than they could use it. But, you know... We we really can't bring our specific job into it, but we had positions here where people were getting paid more just to stand there and temperature check people. Our and, asses are out there dealing with homeless people, dealing with crazies, drunks. I'm an inch away from them. They're trying to fight you. I had knives. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is they were temperature checking. They were temperature checking two or three people a day. We were seeing two or three people an hour. And they weren't giving us any extra. I mean, it's the way in this company is fucking ridiculous. And the way they treat workers is ridiculous. And it it all comes back to old Ronnie Reagan and him fucking over the unions in the 80s. But we'll come back to that another time. Oh, dude, we could go so much into how often we get screwed over. But probably jobs over that conversation. Well, that's fine. Let them. I'll take some unemployment. But anywho, I think that's about en- about enough for uh, for tonight. I think that was a good episode. Uh, I think we're going to do this a little bit more often. Let's plan on doing at least one episode a month of uh, Conspiracy Theory Corner with uh, Casual Morgan and uh, Bob Scrivener. Now, real whoever else we can get to come in on it, because there are a lot of people that say they want to do this podcasting live till it comes time to do the work. Right. Now, real quick, before you get off here, uh, I did look up what we were talking about. The origins of the Corona visor. That's what I was talking about. It started in the 50s and it was, you know, it it was uh, Pellegrino Ernetti. He was a physicist with the church like he was a physicist and then went into the church later in life. That is what I was discussing. And he was saying that this device they thought it could be kind of like oh, time yeah, yeah, travel, yeah. but it wasn't time travel in a sense that you physically relocate to a different time, different space, but it was more like a television. And his homeboy was a Nobel Prize winner, and he was also a physicist, Enrico Fermi. Now, Fermi well, was, what was basically the first guy's name? The, okay, I it, got it, I got it. It was Pellegrino Ernetti. Okay, see, this is a different guy, but I see what you're saying. Right, and they also, you know, and that could bring Operation Paperclip in, which we'll do a different time, but there was also a rumor that the SS member and Nazi scientist uh, Werner von Braun was in on it. Now, they could, they never came out and officially said that, but they suspect that he was part of it. And it was basically like a TV where you could tune in to 
to past events and supposedly yeah. into the future to see future events. But that's what yeah. it was called, the Corona Visor. It's funny the too that yeah, it's funny too happened in Italy. <laughs> yeah, everything that, starts uh, in fucking Italy. I didn't think about that until you brought that up. But yeah, that, that yep. is exactly it. And it started in the 1950s. So it was around the same time that all this is popping off with MK Ultra. Uh, the early 60s is where this is. Well, they started uh, trying stuff like this in the 50s, though. Well, yeah. They did everything in the 50s. Right. It, uh, it all came out in a conspiracy book in uh, 2002, The Vatican's New Mystery. And it, that was by Father Francis Broom or some shit. Yeah, like that's that. the guy I'm looking at right here. Francois right. Broom. Yeah. I'm not good with name translation and shit. That's true. You're not. Shove it, Satan. <laughs> All right. Listen. Well, that is enough for this this episode. But yeah, I, I think we got a good we got a good one here. We're gonna plan on coming back to Conspiracy Corner at least once a month. Thank you for listening. Uh, who we got to plug tonight? Well, December first will be the next full episode of Lore and More, so we will be finishing that off. We're gonna try and do that. The first of every month will be a lore and more because the research on those is a pain in the butt. And, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows sure, yeah. to do is lore and more because World of Warcraft lore is important to me. And sure. we're going to be doing casual radio is still going to be at 5 p.m. every Friday, every Friday, like clockwork. And we're right. going to plan as of right now, the plan is to start having a new episode of uh of an R- of the rpg corner every month on the 15th i don't know if we're going to have time to get it this month because i don't know if we're going to have time to record but if we don't this month it will start next month right we're gonna we're gonna start I, off with we're gonna start off with delta green next month on the 15th of december right and i take off vacation casual Oregon is taking some time off from november 19th to the 29th homie so that's right. So we can definitely come over anytime with uh, Russ, and we can get any episodes in that we want. Maybe one, that's maybe right. two. Yeah, record enough to so, break into two episodes. Hell, you never know. Maybe we'll do some uh, Christmas caroling episodes. <laughs> no, yeah, you have fun with that. Not likely. Well, you do the, you do the singing. Russ can do the dancing. Uh, so uh, what uh, we need to plug? We got a very special plug since this is the first time we're we're bringing her up on this show. Uh, tell tell the, the the listeners a little bit about uh, our new merch merch uh, agreement. Right, so that is Sonny's Specialties S O N N Y S, and that is actually a project my mom is doing. Where Mama Morgan is making merch for Casual Morgan. That's right, Casual Radio, Casual Morgan, and anything that we want, she can basically make for us. She's already made a beautiful bag for my daughter's eighth birthday. A week ago, that's right. She's killing it. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to have a site. She's on Etsy right now, but we're gonna try to get a site where she can sell straight off of our site too. But for right now, she's on Etsy. And Sunny's, what is it? Sunny's what? Sunny's specialties and everything is made to order. Very nice. Very nice. You can get anything you want. You can get names, dates, anything you want added to it. We can do. That's right. Great stuff. Um, All right. You have anything to say about your writing? Uh, just working on working on book two of this story, man. Uh, we were just discussing earlier today. We think we're probably going to end up having to uh, probably going to end up having to do self publishing, which is going to be a huge pain. But 
there's been a bunch of uh, upheaval in the publishing world lately, and we think that's why we haven't been able to find an agent. So we're gonna we're gonna try to wait that out till the first of the year, and then after that, we're gonna be looking into self-publishing. So if we self-publish, it'll be out by the middle of next year. So keep not an eye to, out for that. Not to mention, if anyone has any help or any ideas that can help with anything like that, absolutely. Anybody read, that knows an agent, anybody that knows a publishing agent, anybody that publishes themselves, please don't hesitate to reach out. What's that email? That is Casual Worgen Podcast at yahoo.com or casual Morgan podcast at gmail.com and any of that i can connect straight to you yeah and uh we've also got was it we've got an instagram we've got twitter we've got a reddit page that hasn't totally been started yet and we're working on that patreon account for youtube once you get around to yeah. it yeah we're working on patreon hopefully starting next year uh the plan's going to be early in the year hopefully by January 1st. But uh, we'll be talking about that a lot more as things go on. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, tune in next week. That's right. And don't forget that November, the end of November, we officially, the official launch date is November 23rd. When I created this, I set it up because that's my birthday, so I figured we'll have an anniversary type thing if we uh, keep this going. Feel nice. free to send sausage egg McMuffins my way. That's right. McDonald's uh, McDonald's gift cards. That's right, because my fat butt needs more McDonald's. It's true. You really do. You're gonna, right, we're going to make a supervisor out of you yet. See everyone next week. Bob's your uncle. And we're out.